Peace to you. Welcome back to the Living Water Chapel. We're going to pick up where we left off at book in the book of Acts, chapter 16. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Then he came to Derb and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. So I'm not sure who the he they're referring to is that's traveling and made it to the, these places and meeting up with Timothy. I'm presuming it's probably Paul. Um, verse 2. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. So he's met up with someone who's of, I guess they'd be considered mixed race since uh, he's uh, his parents are not, uh, his parents are from two different places or, you know, two different backgrounds. But that's who he's meeting up with, Timothy. Verse 3. Paul wanted to have him go on with him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. So that's a strange verse there. Uh, is is he a doctor? Is he a physician? Paul? And he's an adult. Circumcision generally happens with a baby, a newborn, um, males. So that, uh, it's less complicated and probably the kid forgets about it. They're too young to remember. But it seems strange. A grown man is handling another grown man's penis as soon as he meets him so that he can circumcise him. That sounds a little gay, but nothing wrong with that. It just sounds kind of crazy that he just met somebody and now he's already circumcising him. And everybody in the town knows that his daddy is a Greek, which means he's um, not of the same lineage. Of, of, He's not Jewish, and so Jewish people and religiously believe it in circumcision. We've read about that already. So, I guess because they know his father is Greek, everyone in town knows the condition of his penis that it's not cut. It seems crazy. Verse four. And as they went through the cities, but I guess he did it. Um, yeah, he did it. He just met him, and now he's already circumcised him—a perfect stranger. Guess that's how it is. Verse four. Sorry, it's a helicopter going by. In verse 4, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to help, to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So notice what's said there. I don't know who the narrator here is carrying us through the events. Probably Luke, but don't know. It's not named. But it seems that what's happened is they've taken on dogma, new rules that people have to go by. Not even new. But they're continuing them on. They're passing them on as passing them off as Christianity. Um, let's see if they're things that Jesus actually said. I really doubt it, since Timothy wasn't a disciple and neither was Paul. And they just told they just told us where they're getting it from. They're getting their directives from the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. Um, so let's see. Verse five. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. So it seems that the congregation is growing. Verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Now that's interesting. The, the narrator is telling us it's the Holy Spirit that prevented them from, um, um, forbid, forbade them from uh, preaching in a, the word in Asia. I don't think it's the same Asia like they were, you know, were used to be called the Orient. I don't think that's what it's referring to. I think it's referring to uh, what used to be called Asia Minor and um, basically the Middle East, other parts of the Middle East. But it could be talking about 
Asia as we know it now. Either way, they're claiming that it's the Holy Spirit that prevented them from going there to preach also, which would be contrary to what Jesus said. Jesus said, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, not every person. He said every creature, which kind of makes it sound like there'll be space travel and there's uh, things out in space that also need to know the gospel and uh, just how it reads. But for whatever reason, they're saying that they're not allowed to go to Asia. Well, they're saying it's the Holy Spirit. I would say uh, that sounds dangerously like them forgive unpardonable sin, putting things on the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit didn't necessarily say. But let's keep reading. Verse 7. After they had come to Misha, I guess that's how you pronounce it, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these seems again they're trying to travel what we call evangelism and um again they're putting it on the spirit telling them not to go to certain areas which again contradicts what jesus says verse eight so passing by misha they came down to troas so they're on the move verse nine and a vision appeared to paul in the night a man of macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying come over to macedonia and help us so Paul's having a vision, it says, and someone from another area is in need and wants them to visit. Verse 10. Now, after he'd seen the vision immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach to the people, pre preach the gospel to them. So uh, again, the narrator is saying at this point, after Paul's vision, they decided to go on the move and head to Macedonia. Verse 11, therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis. So if you want to track the, the, the trace the passage of their voyage on an Old Testament map, you can figure out where they're at and where they're going. Verse 12, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony, and we were staying in that city for some days so um that's where they've stopped at now philippi and some of these names are going to sound familiar because they're names of the books in the bible in the new testament not christian books no red letters in them but they're different places where uh, it seems paul traveled on his ministries um spreading whatever it is he's teaching again he wasn't one of the disciples so he can't possibly be preaching the gospel unless he picked it up from the disciples which we read already, there was opposition among them. Verse 13, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of, the, out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So they headed to the river and they met up with some women there. Verse 14, now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Theatira who worshiped God, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So yet again, the narrator is saying that it's the Lord, the Holy Spirit, moving these people to do these different things. It's not the person saying that, it's the narrator saying that. So we just have to take it with a grain of salt. Verse 15, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So um, they, she's been baptized, Lydia, that is. 
and she's um, beckoning them to stay with her uh, rather than keep it moving. Verse 16, y'all have, which reminds me of what Jesus said. Don't go from house to house when they, um, when they, um, it's the, it's the order he gave to the disciples, the marching orders. Verse 16, now, so it looks like at least they're being faithful with that part. Verse, although Luke was not a disciple either, as far as I know, he might have been, uh, he wasn't one of the 12. He might have been in the company because there were lots of people following Jesus. I don't recall any of them being named Luke. Verse 16, now it happened. As we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. So divination is basically what you think of as fortune-telling or uh, prophesying, uh, seeing the future. She's able to predict the future, basically. They're saying she's a slave, that we shouldn't associate any necessarily necessary, we shouldn't associate any uh specific complexion to her because slavery existed almost forever in human history um and it wasn't always based on race only in america well at least most recently in america was it based on skin color and it has survived to this day where black people are treated like crap and the harshest charges thrown at black people for doing things that white people get to walk away from without even being admonished um it's the legacy of that mess. Um, but divination, that's what it is. She's able to divine. That's what it means, the future. And it's saying she was very profitable to her master. So she was enslaved, making her master money by being able to tell the future. Verse 17. But uh, it's saying possessed with the spirit of divination. So it's almost like they're saying, the narrator is saying, um, it's evil spirits that are allowing her the ability to see the future and prophesy. I don't believe that necessarily. Um, not to say that sometimes that sort of energy isn't able to do that, but I don't think that that sort of power should just be um, attributed to evil spirits since we've read how other prophets in the Bible are also able to read the future, see the future, and share it, even if people don't hear it or won't listen to it or heed it. Verse 17, the girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So they're claiming she's demon-possessed, basically, but she's declaring that they are righteous um, as she's following them. Verse 18, and this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. So uh, I'm not sure what she was doing wrong. She was doing what the disciples were originally told to do. Go out and say, repent. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Um, so she's letting people know um, there's God's servants on their way. And you can find salvation through seeking them. And for whatever reason... Well, he said, it says he was annoyed. He shut her up. And um, it seems in that moment, commanded um, the spirit that was, it seems, it seems um, inducing her to be able to see the future and tell it um, and able to recognize who they are. He, for whatever reason, out of his annoyance again, shut her up. 
And the spirit left her, it says. Verse 19, that when her masters saw that her their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. So they're messing with the money. And so they were uh, seized, arrested. Um, and it says Paul and Silas. It didn't say Luke. So I, I don't know if he's narrating this story uh, uh, like from him, seeing it himself or telling it what people have told him or from newspaper headlines or what. Um, but he seems to be knowing what's happening with them, but not a part of what's happening to them. Um, even Either way, Paul and Silas now are who were arrested and dragged to the marketplace for messing with commerce. The same thing that will get you in trouble in America in modern times. You can do all kinds of evil things, say all kinds of hateful things, uh, even incite all kinds of wicked violence, even against the government. But what you can't do is mess with money. You can't mess with the capitalist system that's going on, um, that this country is run by. It's not really capitalism. It's uh, it, it's the same way some religions pass as Christianity, but they don't actually pre preach Christ. Um, capitalism is the same way. It's the umbrella term for what is the financial system in America, but it's not actually capitalism because multi-billion dollar companies are completely subsidized. They're on welfare. They're welfare queens. They're the actual welfare queens. Companies that make huge profits, biggest profits in the country, maybe even in the world. They're subsidized by the government. They're getting welfare checks from the government to stay in business. That's not capitalism. But again, have to be careful what you say there because just like um, uh, what we're reading, there are systems in place that will make a move if you do affect the money. So verse 20, and they brought them to the magistrates and said, these men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. So now they've been uh, hemmed up in the court, basically, and the accusation taken again, made against them that they're rabble risers, rabble, rabble, rabble rousers. Verse 21, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. So um, they're saying that the things that uh, the accusation, the charges against them are that they're uh, being heretics, basically. They're preaching things that are against the religion of the day, the religion of the town. And their religion is um, basically uh, the pantheon of gods and goddesses that the Greco-Roman societies believe in. And so they're not pleased with him showing up with new uh, teachings. Verse 22, because I think because just like the religion we read about in the Bible, not the first one, because uh, there were some before it, but the religion set up after the Exodus where people had that system of enriching, enriching the religious authorities through donations through uh, mandatory donations. So it's not like you get a choice in it. You, It's a citation system. You violate their law. They give you a citation. You have to pay it, whether it be cows, chickens, or probably not chickens, cows, um, goats, whatever the case may be. The penalty the, that you have to pay is in the form of an offering that's given to the priest to make up for your sin, your offense, your ticket. Um, verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. 
So um, they're being scourged. They're uh, on trial, and the one holding the trial has decided they're worthy of a lasting. They ripped off their clothes, and they're going to beat them. Verse 23, at least that's the plan. Verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. So they've been tried, apparently convicted, punished with beating, and thrown in the jail. Verse 24, having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So the uh, the guard of the prison has been told, watch them, keep them, and don't let them get away. So to make sure he does his duty, he's locked them in the inner part of the prison, presumably because it take longer to get away, more an opportunity to catch you as you try to escape. Uh, verse 24, having received such a charge, oh, sorry, read that. So they've been put in the stocks. They're basically in shackles and chains in the belly of the prison. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So it's um, the midnight hour. Paul and Silas are having a prayer vigil, basically, a camp meeting. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, everyone's chains were loosed. So it seems a miracle has happened. Um, emancipation. The prison doors are open and the chains are loosed. So they can get away if they want to. Verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. So now the keeper of the prison, the guard, <clears throat> sees that the prison's been breached. The doors are open, and the um, and he's assuming that the prisoners have escaped, because who wouldn't escape if they've been locked up, and now they have a chance of freedom. So he's about to kill himself, because basically that's what uh, their election of duty used to call for. Still does in most parts of the world where it's uh, under military control, um, or at least military type authorities still take place. And it would happen in America if it weren't, again, I hate to keep bringing up race, but it's really hard to escape race, especially when so many racist things constantly happen. But it's more constant racism, where like even now, people are bigots again on their platforms calling for all sorts of swift, harsh penalties, whether it be for abortion or uh, if you're gay or trans, all sorts of things. The same things they would call would call for um, for treason, or um, or a coup. The same things that people on January sixth were guilty of, and that they themselves believed was worthy uh, was the uh, proper outcome. They thought that the vice president was worthy of hanging, worthy of death for his um, treason, for his lack of support for the nation. And yet, when they're arrested, they're treated with kid gloves. Some of them, most of them are let go because there's thousands and thousands of people that day. Very few uh, actually faced any charges eventually. And it's years later and the one who, the ringleader still isn't in jail, still isn't in prison, still wasn't even charged with it. As sick as that sounds, but is still being allowed to raise money. He's been convicted of rape in the civil case and yet still allowed to run for president, still allowed to go out and make speeches still allowed to even have his trials put on hold while they examine the DAs 
who are prosecuting him. It's just sick. And in still telling people oh, everything's fair in America, everyone's treated equally, justice is blind. It's nonsense. It's not blind at all. It's as biased as the people in it. Just my opinion. Verse 28. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. We are all here. So the guard was about to kill himself. But Paul told him, no, 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 you don't have to do that. No one's escaped. We could have, but we're still here. So your life isn't in danger. Because remember, the guard was told to keep them secure. And now they could have escaped. Verse 29. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. So the guard um, needed a light. And when he got there, he got the light apparently. And he saw that uh, the prisoners didn't escape, even though they could have. And so now I guess that humbled him. Verse 30. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must, what must I do to be saved? So the guard is fully persuaded by the events that happened. I guess the earthquake, prison doors opening, and the prisoners not fleeing, but just waiting. Verse 31. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. So they're letting him know. Again, the offer of salvation is to whomsoever will. That part they're saying truly. Um, which again goes against what we just read at the beginning of this chapter about them being forbidden from going to certain areas. It's inconsistent, but it is how I read, so we're just going to keep reading. Um, verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. So uh, presumably the guard took them out of the prison house and took them to his own house. Um, verse 33, otherwise how else could he, how else could they preach, evangelize to his household unless his household went down to the prison too. And that seems unlikely. Verse 33, especially in the middle of the night. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. So in the middle of the night, the prisoners that were having church, basically, have uh, been taken to the guard's house, uh, away from the prison, presumably, uh, had their uh, beatings treated, the stripes from being beaten treated, and also been baptized. I guess all in the middle of the night. Verse 34. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So the guard took them to his house for sure. His whole household were saved, it seems. And um, they're all there chilling. Verse 35. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officers saying, let those men go. So now they've been um, freed, or at least they've been granted freedom from their, their uh, imprisonment. And so word has been sent to the prison house to let them know. Verse 36, so the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to, to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. So they've declared liberty to Paul that they're free to go now. Verse 37, but Paul said to them, They've beaten openly, they've beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown into prison. And now they do they put it put us out secretly? No indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. So that seems crazy. Anybody in jail or prison, when they're allowed to get free, not once, but now twice, is still fighting it. 
the they already had the earthquake and the doors open when they could escape them. Now they've even been given word that they don't have to just sneak out or escape. They've been freed. They've been allowed to go. And now um, he's saying no. He's not going to go in secret. He wants them to e escort him out. And now he's saying uncondemned Romans. I thought that Paul was um, Jewish and Turkish. I could be wrong. Um, now he's saying he's Roman. So maybe he's Roman by living there. I don't know. Verse 38. And the officers told these words to the magistrates. And they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. So um, just like in America, some people are more equal than others. Apparently, Romans have more rights than non-Romans because the fact that they imprisoned the Romans seems to be a hair in the soup, a fly in the soup. Verse 39. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So now they're having to beg the prisoners to leave the prison um, and leave the city. Okay. Verse 40. So they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. So now they've been sprung, released from their imprisonment. Um, they didn't flee immediately. They went to Lydia, the same one we presumably the same one we just read about, and then departed from the city. Okay, that's uh, the end. that's the last verse in this chapter. So that's where we'll end this part of the reading. We'll go on now to the naked truth, the red letters. The, so we don't ever abandon them. It's going to come the day uh, from the passage of the day. It's from the book of Luke, the third book in the Gospels. Um, and it's Luke chapter 7 verse 50. Luke, Luke 7, verse 50, and I think this is the 40th passage of the day. And it reads, Then he said to them, Woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So it's Jesus speaking to a woman who was looking for healing from him, and she got it. And now, um, she got it without all, without anything like um, having to go uh, dip in a pool or go uh, do anything special. Jesus Jesus does miracles. He's, we've seen him do miracles. We've read him doing miracles many different ways. Sometimes laying on hands. Sometimes with just a word. Sometimes with a visit. He'd go out of his way to go visit someone and make it happen. Um, in this case, Jesus is saying it's the woman's faith that has saved her. And then tells her to go in peace. So that, to me, I consider it a I meditate on that passage to remind me of the importance of faith. And that, um, I guess like Jesus says, it can move mountains. Uh, but, you know, just like the apostles, we sometimes we have little faith, uh, weak faith, different types of faith. But it seems you have to have some faith. She had faith. She got her healing. Jesus said, go in peace once she got it. That was the last verse, uh, last part of this reading. Though, so that's where we'll end this reading. Thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. Love you. See you next time. Peace be with you.